0: So um, uh, right now, currently uh, 2nd Lieutenant uh, Bly um, been in the Marine Corps for just a little bit over 14 years Uh, joined in 2006 and um, joined as an older 11 infantry rifleman and went to um, Iraq in 2007 uh, with anti-terrorism was then switched over to 2nd Lieutenant Marines, Uh, came back um, and then went to 2-8 and went to Afghanistan with them in 2009. um, And did a lot of work out over there. And after that 2009 deployment, um, I decided to do a a lateral move, uh, we call it a lat move, in infantry. And um, I went to the intel community, so I became an imagery analyst. um, And I was an imagery analyst for a little over seven and a half years. Before I uh, did my transition from enlisted officer Um, as an imagery analyst, um, I got to see uh, the ground side as, like, you know, the intel version. Um, Also, went to the air wing, spent a few years at the air wing, um, and then also went to the joint community and uh, worked at a COCOM and got to see how um, all of the the different, uh, I guess, military organizations work together um, along with civilian organizations um, and also did a couple of deployments um, as an Intel um, Marine so uh, two to like the Southeast Asia area and uh, one to um, Central America and that area when I was down in Miami um, so then I decided to do um, uh, the D program which is the Marine Corps commissioning education program and to like, become an officer and so I I did that and went to school um, at the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee for three years and became a second lieutenant. So um, that process was was, uh, pretty cool. Uh, It was definitely hard at some times because uh, being like an active duty military member, um, one of like maybe three or four in a whole state uh, for Marine Corps wise. being around, like, college students or other adults and, lot like, of people living just their ordinary, regular lives, uh, it was a lot different than being, you know, at a Marine Corps base. And so um, being, going to school um, and, I guess, having an ROTC unit as my primary, uh, like, my parent command, um, for me, it was just uh, another duty station. But instead of me going to work every day and doing Marine Corps stuff, I was going to school every day and doing, like, school stuff. And then, you know, I would still get up and have the PT and do ROTC stuff with the uh, the midshipmen and uh candidates. And so, um, then, you know, I came here, so now I'm here in Quantico, Virginia. I've been here for, I believe it's been nine weeks or ten weeks. Um, and almost halfway through the POI, um, and can't wait to get done because, or fro- frozen fox and uh we just got out of the field and uh <laughs> we actually have to go to the field tomorrow <laughs> uh for the next couple of days. So uh, on deck time tomorrow is gonna be I think going like zero two thirty and so Damn. yeah that's gonna suck. But um I don't know it, it's fun. It, it brings me back to those those days of like being in the field and going to the field except it, it doesn't suck as much when mm-hmm. we were a young Lance Cooley. <laughs> Yeah, they're just sucking life, like hating life, you know. Uh, But yeah, so that that's where I'm at now, Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, spending I don't know another six to ten years in the Marine Corps and uh, seeing where it takes me. So, yeah,
1: that's awesome, bro. We're we're happy that you're on, man. uh, Talking to us, breaking some bread with us. So, so. So in terms of, so when I got out in 2011, man, there was all sorts of changes taking place in the Marine Corps. Um, and I got out September twenty seventh, 2011. And, you know, the only, like how I keep up with the transitions in terms of, you know, whether it's the theoretical side and the practical side, I have to read up a, a lot of manuals and a lot of the uh, publications that dvids and marine corps headquarters puts out so i know like in 2018 when uh, secretary of defense general mattis wrote the uh the defense strategy like that was like the first one that had been written within 10 years in terms of like grand strategy and i know that we switched up from you know fighting terrorism especially in 2014 when president obama uh, essentially said you know halted all combat operations And we went into interstate strategic competition and more great power competition. So our primary focus now is either one creating and normalizing certain kinds of strategies and tactics within the gray zone. Um, Also um, trying to transition our entire force um, into understanding near peer adversarial kinds of context Um, in terms of just the overall strategy, man, what can you share with us of how that transition or how all of that has, uh, has happened?
0: Um, yeah. So, uh, from, from my, like, I guess specific point of view, um, I would definitely say that we have kind of moved away from like, I guess fighting in the desert and like fighting against like terrorists or guerrilla style type of fighting and, um, just more towards like we are, more concentrated on getting back to our naval heritage, or our naval roots. Uh, so that goes into the same context as like the Marine Corps just got rid of all their tanks, you know. So um, you know, why why was that such a big thing? And then why did the Marine Corps just all of a sudden get you know you know uh, I don't know seven hundred something new AAVs, you know, amphibious assault vehicles, um, and then like what is our main, you know, purpose in the greater scheme of, I guess, the military uh, force for the United States of America? And I think just, uh, and it's just my personal view, and it's not like, you know, an entire military you know, um, thought point, but mine is that like, the Marine Corps, like, the, you know, America, they don't, they don't really necessarily need like a Marine Corps. It's the fact that like, they, they want a Marine Corps and then on top of that, like, it's going to be like what is going to be the marine Corps' purpose or like what is our purpose you know and our purpose is to go from ship to shore and that's that's our fight um and so for the last you know decade two decades really fighting in the desert we've kind of um, strayed away from what our purpose in the greater military scheme um is and so i feel like we are just now starting to uh move back into that direction and so even with some of the uh the classes and training and stuff that we're currently doing, um, it's all geared towards um, a near peer adversary and fighting a conventional war and um, uh, fighting against people that are just as good as us.
1: I recently spoke with uh, retired Major General Ronsky who who gave me a perspective on the tank battalions. You know, and, and why they took it out, which I never had any beef with. I understand that you know, one budgets have a lot to do with it, but also capabilities. Like the army can, the army has, you know, the mech power in order to deliver something like that. Also, think to the the way warfare has has turned out. For example, the Armenian-Azerbaijan incident that has taken place recently has shown that not that so much that tanks are kind of obsolete, but until we can come up with a Pretty solid uh, deterrence for drone capabilities. Um, you know, unmanned vehicles are going to be a huge, huge issue. Um, so, so I understand it from that perspective. And it seemed for a while too, like the Marine Corps was going through like not not so much as an identity crisis, but just trying to get back to its like original roots. And I know that the urban littorals are a, a really big issue. Um, I've read the uh Marine Corps Futures Directorate, the plans for 2030 and 2045. There's a huge emphasis on the urban littorals, mm-hmm. since like two-thirds of the world is going to be living near a body of water. And the increase in terms of population, so they're they're dictating that we're going to go from 7.6 billion to essentially 9 billion by 2050. And so these heavily populated areas are going to be quite challenging mm-hmm. as the urban environment becomes in turn transforms into like these megacities. And so there's all sorts of little things that uh, culminate into why the Marine Corps has changed. Um, It's crazy that you bring that up about how the Marine Corps um, is here because America wants it. Um, I kind of go through through history a little bit, talking about what happened right at the end of World War II with uh, President Truman and I think it was uh, a General MacArthur which wanted to essentially take out the Marine Corps, but the 1947 Security Act kind of basically allowed us to stay. But I kind of go into this historical anecdote where I say the Marine Corps was essentially uh, christened within the United States because we had to do a propaganda campaign, and that's why we went to like you know Mount Suribachi. We took all these photos. And so it's about public opinion, about public influence, and why the Marine Corps is still around. And and recently, too, Military.com released an article in which uh, one of the Pentagon uh, advisors, a retired Army Colonel Douglas McGregor, um, basically said they wanted to take out the Marine Corps. And uh, I mean, it's understandable, like why they would view it that way in terms of like the budgets and stuff like that to we spend what yeah. seven hundred billion dollars on defense. Um, I just don't think that that the army has the capability to kind of absorb one the lineage and two just the, the capability and knowledge from from one specific branch. Um, maybe with maybe in another fifty years or so, depending oh, yeah. on on how we on how on, on how essentially. Uh, American economics and our institutions kind of carry its way through this kind of period of of uh, of conflict. A uh, lot of lots of challenges.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would definitely say that. Like, um, yeah, I think that like Marine Corps itself in general, like we 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 definitely stand out uh, amongst all of our. Uh, brethren military brethren um, when it comes to like what we do how we do it and what we um you know are capable of doing um you know there's a reason why you know we're you know the, the first to fight um or the you know the smallest uh military force but you know we have to work with you know half the stuff that's all the other uh services do so uh i don't think that anyone would ever be able to say that, like, like oh, like, oh, yeah, you can just replace the Marine Corps with the Army because, granted, the Army might be able to do stuff that we can do, uh, do it a, a lot more uh, efficiently, I feel, um, quicker, um, and in some cases, depending on what it is, you know, it's even better.
1: Yeah. Reading uh, reading that Marine Corps' future director, man, there's a portion in there. It's one of the scenarios. So, like a lot of folks don't realize that a lot of like the Warfighting Lab and a lot of other intelligence organizations within the United States government hire creative writers to write up science fiction. And a lot of it is to kind of understand the potential risks that lay ahead. And one of the scenarios, man, it's pretty bleak, but it essentially puts the United States right at the center of this specific scenario. And that's the scenario that we don't want to go into, which is essentially the United States basically has to uh, decrease its buffer zone in terms of its allies and its conflicts and the situation that it finds itself geopolitically. And while you have China coming into play, in terms of like the Belt and Road Initiative, providing all this economic incentive, um, the United States is merely focusing on its internal problems. And I think that's like when I when I read up on, you know, the Centers for Strategic um, Studies, a lot of the rhetoric that's coming out from those organizations um, is saying that there needs to be a whole of government, whole of society effort in order to kind of deter those scenarios in which essentially the United States just focuses primarily on its own issues. And that's kind of a big deal to me because what I was, you know, I've been sharing with Polly for the past, I think what, few weeks now, one of the greatest national security concerns for me is what I call uh, social, epigenetic, and memetic entropy. And essentially to that we're just becoming less and less organized as the flow of information and influence is overwhelming the American consciousness about specific kinds of narratives. And one of those narratives being that the United States is divided. So Ajit Mon, and I think I've talked to you about Ajit Mon. She she's kind of uh, the director of an organization called Narrative Strategies, and they focus on how to effectively um, work with indigenous populations or certain kinds of conflicts where they provide specific kinds of narratives. For example, Russia Russia's information operations on the United States goes like this: Russia wants the world to see them as this honorable, strong country. And the narrative that they're using is they're showcasing and projecting all the issues that are wrong with the United States. And so that's kind of like why we get this like picture of Putin, you know, riding a horse or him still being, you know, notable. And so these narratives along with their IO campaign within our information ecology, really, really do a lot of damage to a lot of the whole of government efforts being put into practice, making recruitment a huge issue. And as one of the things I shared with Paula, too, is that it's like 60 percent of like 40 million young Americans uh, don't have the IQ or the physical ability to operate in some of these environments. And I'm not you know, we're not trying to justify war or conflict, but just the overall economics of things, you know, you need to be a healthy individual in order to be a conducive member of your society and your community. So there's a yeah. lot of challenges, man, that that just, I'm, I'm afraid of in terms of just, like I, I fear, uh, I fear because I had a stake in this process, and I also see too that, you know, if our institutions are suffering in terms of just getting the right bodies in there, then I can't even imagine, you know, the the outpouring uh, the influx of individuals coming back into society, when we don't have the proper infrastructure, and one of those infrastructures being mental health. So some huge challenges, man. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. Um, uh, I so so I guess we all know, or you know, maybe know, you know, like the twenty-two uh, thing, you know, twenty-two suicides a day, you know, committed, you know, uh, by veterans. Um, is like a big thing, but being in the military, uh, you hear about it a lot, uh, but you don't really, I guess, at least from, from my point of view, like you hear about it a lot, but you never really uh, saw it a lot. Um, I saw it a lot when I was at school, like in the civilian sector, um, and like, you know, around civilians. Um, I saw it there a lot because, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time at the Maverick, which is uh, at UWM Milwaukee, it's the uh, military and veterans resource center. Um And being there, um, the people that would come there, you know, straight from, you know, uh, the Army or the Navy or the Marine Corps or the Air Force or, you know, whatever, and, like, they come from a military organization and now they are dumped into, like, a civilian uh, lifestyle. Like, that transition is extremely hard for a lot of people. And for me, I like, I always thought, like, man, that would be, like, really hard to go from being in a very structured um, lifestyle to a very, um, I guess, not unorganized, but just un, uh, like 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 nothing's clear from like day to day or you're just really living from day to day. You know, you have like an end goal, like, oh, I need to graduate or oh, I need to, you know, go to work or something like that. But, you know, that's, that's about it. And so like living in or in around civilians kind of really tuned me into like the, the mental health um, for veterans uh, all around and like how from what I saw one of the best things was like actually talking to people you know like to talk to other veterans uh, or just other people in general like let people know how you feel uh, because you know in the Marine Corps you know or in the military in general it's kind of like you don't want to talk about things because you don't want to seem soft or like simple-minded or whatever it is but like in all reality talking about things makes that weight less on your shoulders you know like that weight's always gonna be there but you expressing your stuff about it and physically talking to other people like it definitely helps out a lot of people you know and and I could see that like every day you need to go into like the Maverick and you see like the same people in there so like the people that they have working there like we're all veterans so like we had a guy named Groovy, Carlos, and Melinda. Like they were like in charge of the, the, the Maverick. Like they were all veterans somehow, um, and had went through the same process and realized, hey, we need to figure out, like, hey, this is something that we need to work with. And like they did an excellent job there. Uh, my only complaint would be that it was like too small because there was like a lot of veterans, you know, uh, there, and it was always packed and it was just like a small, a small room. But um, they did an excellent job as far as, like, helping veterans uh, by just talking and communicating and, like, giving them the inside scoop of things that, like, people that might be coming from high school, uh, going into college, or coming from a certain uh, lifestyle, they might already know, so it's just, like, military personnel coming from, like, a military organization, being out of the school for 4, 10, 15, 20, 24 years, and, like, you know, 35 years old, you're trying to get back in the civilian side or civilian life, and it's, like, really hard. And so, you know, that, that stress of, like, like, oh, I have to do this, oh, I have to do this, or this doesn't make sense, like, that stress really gets to people, but when you have other people to talk to about it and other people that are willing to help you, like, it definitely helps, um, like, relieve some of that stress. So that was definitely a big thing that I saw uh, living in the civilian side.
1: So, I, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna lead this, and I know Polly has some questions, and I think this is gonna be a good segue into it.
2: So I know, like in
1: 2017, they did a, a series of reports, and they published it in the Marine Corps Times, and it's like the Marine Corps, from I think like 2014 to like 2017, dropped down from like 44,000 combat veterans to like 17,000, and then I'm pretty sure that number has decreased. Bro, how how is it like? You got to be a dinosaur or something, but how is it that, like, what's the experience like now, you being one of those kinds of individuals among an entire new generation of, of young young men and women who uh, carry that title now?
0: Yeah, um, I would say, and I like, there's, I think, I have, I think, three or four other uh, prior to my platoon, um, but like, I would say it's definitely, it's definitely challenging. It's not challenging, but it's just different. Uh, because you're on people that you know they grew up in a time when we were like out there war fighting, you know, so two thousand nine we we're out there, you know, you know, out there war fighting and doing stuff, you know, they were like, you know, in middle school, you know. And so like, <laughs> you know, it was like it's it's different, like their perspective on, on on life is completely different than what like I guess my perspective is now one from like being an older individual and then you know having a family and having kids to like like oh like I'm like at least twelve years older than all the other people that I'm here with um, and so like it's like it's like a, a mental thing that in that aspect, and then like the other part of it is like the physical aspect like thirty four years old and like all the people that I'm here with are like twenty one twenty two twenty three twenty four years old you know some are like twenty five but like I'm like you know. A decade older than all of them, uh, but we still got to keep up and still got to do all this stuff. And so, like, uh, it's like for me, at least, you got to definitely stay on top of like the physical and mental aspect of everything because I could see how people could easily be like, you know what, uh, you know, whatever, like, I'm just going to just let it ride and, and, and I guess fall off the, the horse or not, not, not be as prepared as you have to be because um, now, you know, the difference between being I would say like an officer and like a staff CEO is like especially an upcoming officer. You know, I have to be prepared at all times to kind of do anything, um, especially coming from, you know, being a second lieutenant and going into the fleet and then uh versus like being like a staff and CEO and like I only have to worry about my little piece of pie. Um so it's kind of what I asked for and that's kind of what I wanted. Um but um that that I guess um mental I guess change from enlisted officer and also the generational gap between the people that I am that I call my peers now is like very huge and it's uh uh constantly evolving and constantly changing. So um it's just one of those things you kinda you just gotta go with the flow. You gotta work with it.
3: Yeah, the one thing I kind of wanted to, uh, you know, to ask one of the questions I wanted to ask you is just as far as these, you know, these younger Marines that are coming in and joining. Now, obviously, probably most of them, you know, the Afghanistan war was tapering off when they decided to join or could have, already, you know, depending on when they, they entered. What is what is a lot of their motivation to want, you know, wanting to join, especially the Marine Corps um, in in a time where there's not a serious conflict going on? Um you know, I know for probably a lot of us when we joined, you know, right in the middle of the war, so we're like, you know, obviously we all picked the infantry and we knew what we were going to do. So, you know, I know you're you're an officer now and, you know, they obviously made that decision, but what was their, what's the motivating factor for a lot of them if you've talked to them about it?
0: Yeah, I've talked to a few people about it. Um, I would just say that, that the greater motivation uh, to them, uh, to and especially a lot of them, it's been like um, uh, the the people that they've talked to, like the military people that they've talked to. So like a lot of people that I that are here that I've spoken to about this this topic, uh, they know people that are in the military, and those people that they knew were um, I guess either very structured um, or like uh, very motivated about being like like URA like American type, and so like. Um, you know, love the country, uh, very patriotic, I guess is a better word for it, yeah. um, and like, structured, and I guess we can see now how, like, in America, how, like, we said, we talked about before, like, uh, the organization is not all, it's not how, I guess, it used to be, because there's such that influx of information that we're getting from all avenues uh, around us, uh, and so everything is kind of, like, discombobulated, and so, I guess, people that want more structure, people that want to be a part of something bigger, uh, mm-hmm. it's like, that's one of the main things that they always talk about. Like, hey, you know, they just want to be in an organization where they want to be around other like-minded people that are in a structured environment um, and people are, like, motivating each other to push forward. Um, yeah. And I, I talk to them about that because I'm like, hey, like, you guys want to be infantry, like, there's not, like, a major conflict going on to, so, like, what are you going like, to, like, what are you are thinking, you know, and a lot of, you know, they just want to go out there and lead Marines, and so yeah. it's surprising to me, because I know, like, how when we joined, I'm like, I want to join the Marine Corps and be an 0311, because I want to go, and I want to get after the bad guys, like, I want to go out there and get it, you know, and so um, I can't imagine, like, joining the Marine Corps now and being like, oh, yeah, I just want to, you know, just go out and lead Marines and, like, be in O three and then, you know, maybe go to war or something like that, but you know they're they're here and you know it's it's motivating for my time. I'm like like wow that's that that's good you know. Um, but it's it's just I guess what it is. So.
3: Yeah, I can only imagine how a lot of these guys, especially the younger guys, you know that you're with, you know, and, and females of course that probably how much respect they have for you because I I just remember when I was a junior marine, you know, when I finally got to the infantry supermoto and all this you know, of course after our time in, you know, we ended up going to the big troop surge in Afghanistan in oh nine, you know, that that was a pretty big deal at the time, comparatively speaking to, you know, previous wars and conflicts, you know, might not might not hold up against any of that. But for us in, in our time, I it kind of to me related to, you know, the push into Iraq. I know we were already in Afghanistan, but if that was really when things started started popping off over there and i remember as a junior marine just looking at the guys some of the sergeants and staff ncos when i was you know a young guy that had been to you know to the invasion of iraq and you know push Nazari and all, all these places and just the amount of respect that i had for them knowing that they did that Th- those iconic moments that everyone saw you know we were i was still in high school at the time when they when you know the invasion of iraq was going on and i just remember seeing on tv and then i'm looking at my staff ncos and sergeants that were there and i'm like damn like i feel like probably a lot of the guys that you're with probably look to you that way do you do you think they they have there's a different level of respect for you being your age and in the position you're
0: oh in? yeah <clears throat> oh yeah most definitely uh there's definitely that that level of um um i guess like implicit respect and and explicit respect uh, that is given to me uh, from a lot of my peers and even some of my superiors like, you know, my captains and even uh, you know, the first lieutenant stuff, like they've only been in the Marine Corps for like 8, 10, 11 years, 12 years. I've been in the Marine Corps for 14 years. You know, they are a captain, they've been in for, you know, 10 years like they're leading me to like, you know, telling me, hey, this is how you should be doing this doing that and I can I, like a lot of times I can kind of sense like uh, like like a, a little bit of nervousness, but it's mostly just you know out of respect. And for me, from my end, I'm like I want I want to just be good at what I do. And so if if I'm messed up, and I want you to tell me that I'm messed up, so because I want to be better. Um, but they also you know are are there to make sure that we know what we're supposed to be doing. So mm-hmm. um, that, that respect, it goes both ways. Um, even though I know like, Hey, I've been in a room a lot longer than you have, uh, but it is what it is. So um, I, I, I can definitely see it uh, and especially from like my peers and stuff.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm sure that's probably. I'm sure they're probably glad to have you around just from your, you know, your experience <laughs> alone for sure. Yeah, I think that's it's pretty it's got to be pretty uncommon what you decided to do as far as going you know fully commissioned and I you know I think it was more it was more common while we were in I remember you know enlisted going uh you know to become warrant officers um and in that in that the way they would typically do it or like you know that's how the the gunners became became gunners because they were typically from infantry background and then wanted to transition. I, I do think uh, Lieutenant Helminski, I think he was a captain before the time we got out. I think he was the only one I ever personally knew that um, was an enlisted infantry Marine and then decided to go um, officer. I think he was uh third platoon. When I first got to two Fox two eight, he was third platoon's uh, platoon commander. So I, I think that's probably a pretty, do you know anyone else that's done Do you personally know anyone else that's done that?
0: Um, So, I didn't meet my first knee-sepper until um, I did my lat move. You know, like, I didn't know of a knee-sepper until I did my first, until I did my lat move in the intel community. And uh, <clears throat> it was actually my second OIC uh, once I got to the, to the air wing. So, um, at the MFA 224, um, uh, my OIC... And then, um, was uh, first lieutenant, um, Holloway, now Captain Holloway, um, he was a knee sniper, you know. I was like, Oh, like, oh, he's a first lieutenant, you know. You see him in camis blah blah. First, lieutenant. okay, and then they come in on Fridays, and now, you know, we have to, every Friday or every other Friday, or every first Friday, you have to wear your Charlie's. And he's like, Oh, wow, like, he got a stack, and I'm like, Oh, yeah, well, must have been a prior. And then, and then it's like, Oh, okay, so now we can, like, you know, have a little bit more, I guess, you know, lead man, like, being like, being able to talk to him and ask him different stuff. You yeah. know, he came from, um, you know, an aviation background. He was, you know, uh, working in an aviation uh, squadron before. And then, you know, there's a package, and he came back as an air, an air enter officer. And so he was really, like, my very first person that I knew that was a misapper, and he was the one that talked to me about it because then I was in, I was a sergeant, then at the time, and at seven years in, um, never even thought about, you know, becoming uh, an officer, you know, it never crossed my mind. Hey, you should be an officer. And then um, he was like, hey, man, you know, you would make a really good officer, Uh, you know, the visa program is out there and a lot of people don't try it, yeah. but it's there for, for a reason to have, you know, enlisted Marines come over to officers. I was like, okay, sir, yeah, that sounds good. And that was in, like, I don't know, uh, that was, like, when I was seven years in. And it wasn't until, I think, two years later, after I had left um, uh, Buford from the DMFA 224 to uh, go to Southcom in Miami, that I really started thinking about it. Because then I was, like, working every single day with officers. Like, it right. was, like, I was working with, like, lieutenant colonels and, first star, uh, like, one-star generals. they yeah. like, managed, like, on a daily basis. And, like, oh, hey, hey, like, you're, you know, pretty proficient at doing stuff, doing this, blah, blah, blah. Like, you ever thought about me, seven? i was like, yeah. I remember, you know, Captain Holloway talking to me about it. Um, and so it was then whenever I, re- I decided, like, hey, I really need to work on, you know, I need to choose. And I made a decision, like, hey, I want to try out for it. Um, and that kind of changed my entire uh, outlook on life because uh, growing up, I never liked going to school. Like, I adamantly hated going to school. Yeah. <laughs> From, like, middle school to high school, I was like, <laughs> I don't like school at all. <laughs> and so yeah. getting, getting back into the mindset and being married and then being a parent and having to be like, okay, I got to, you know, do the best I can and, you know, at least try. Um, like, I had to, you know, retake my ASVAB. I had to retake my wow. S&Ts. I had to retake all that stuff. And, like, it took me almost a year to be able to do that because I, I was like, I retook the ASVAB. And, ACT, and I didn't get the score that I needed. <laughs>
2: right. And so
0: then my my dad, you know, he, my dad was in Vietnam. Uh, he deployed to Vietnam twice. He was in the Army. He oh, was wow. like, if you want anything bad enough, then, then, then you'll work for it. He's like, if you, you suck at taking tests, you know, then maybe you need a tutor. And so I was like, okay, you know, I was thinking about it. And, you know, I was like, okay, let me go to FIU, Florida uh, International University and look for some tutors. Sure enough, there's a a girl there um, and she's like yeah we do asvap and sat testing um studies st- study sessions and uh she's like all right, you can you know pay for this and like i'm like initially when i hear like pay for something i'm like uh, i don't know if i want to pay for this right it, it it checked out to be one of the best investments that i ever made because uh actually she helped me um understand things from a fundamental level cuz like, i was just really bad at like school stuff um, but she helped me pass, and, like, I went and I took the ASVAB uh, on a Friday, and I took the SAT on a Saturday, uh, and I think this was, like, after two and a half months, it was, like, ten weeks of studying with her, uh, twice a week, um, and I got the score that I needed. Like, I you know, surpassed, surpassed the, the minimum score, right. and so it was then that, like, I was, like, you know, put in my visa package and, and did it, but yeah, as far as, like, people that, that I knew as officers, um that were receptor or enlisted before there's really only you know that one and he talked to me about being a receptor and long and behold I chose this this lifestyle.
1: That's cool man. Bro I can relate about school man. <laughs> dude I got out and in 2012 I, I went into the University of North Carolina in Wilmington bro and I had this like grand plan that I was going to go into nursing because I had all this like medical you know background that I had I, dude, I roll into a bio two one class, and I'm like, hold up. <laughs> I haven't been in school in six years. I was like, I I don't belong here. So I like had to jump around with my majors, man, to find something that I, I clicked with. Um, And and even now, it's still a challenge. Like, I hate taking tests. Like, tests, does, like, I'd rather write, you know, a 30-page report on, you know, whatever subject yeah. than having to memorize. I just... I'm just very aversive to it, and I hate it. I always tell folks, too, man, I'm a horrible student, man. I was like, if if I don't see a need for it or it's not necessary for me to take it, (laughs) I I just – I'm not going to deal with
2: it, man.
3: So how does it feel feel being 30-something and and having to hump weight? Man. (laughs) Uh, So, like
0: (laughs) – like the, 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 the i guess it sucks it, it really sucks um you know we've done like our three mile hike and we've done our six mile hike we got like our nine mile hike coming up but like it sucks man because like preparation for being an older person is key like it's the, the most important part of like doing hikes because like we're doing hikes with like 70 80 100 pounds yeah. you know and these movements these movements are not just, like, on the road. Like, these movements are, like, on trails, up the mountain, down the mountain. Like, and it, it's hard, um, but the pain that, that that you feel or, you know, that at least an older person feels uh, is, like, familiar, you know? So right. I guess that would be the only, the only, um, like, good thing is that, like, I know what it feels like. You know, I know what it feels like to hurt that much versus yeah. somebody that's, like, this is the first time doing it, and you're like, oh, gosh, I am broke the F off, you know, like, it really, really uh, is like, I guess, it it can play with your mind, you know, if that's the first time you feel pain like that, but um, I'm not gonna lie, man, it definitely, it definitely sucks to be hiking, um, you know, six miles with 80 pounds on your back, um, up the hill, down the hill, you know, walking over rocks, like, twisting your ankles, and like,
3: yeah, I can yeah, only yeah. imagine I mean yeah, especially yeah. especially somebody like you that had the background you did and already kind of put your body through a lot on your deployments and stuff and now you're you're kind of back in the yeah. saddle So I'm sure that I'm sure that's <laughs> yeah. super enjoyable. But yeah, that's cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: even like like what's that?
3: I
1: said, how are your feet?
0: Like your feet, uh, well, that's a part of the preparation thing that, that I tell you. Like, preparation for being an older person in the military, uh, and have already been broke the f off, uh, is key because, like, I just have to make sure I take care of myself, like, fully. Like, my, my feet, I would say my feet are good, um, uh, but I have to, but I make sure that I take care of them. Like, I soak them, absinthe, I scrub them, you know, I do a little foot exercise, like. A thing that, that I've also noticed now in the Marine Corps that wasn't around when we were in the Marine Corps is like, stretching and like knowing how to stretch and, like, doing um, different types of stretches and, like, actually putting time in the work period or in the workouts for stretching and then not just doing crazy stuff, you know, back to back to back to back. Like, they actually, you know, care more about your body or want you to care more about your body. Um, and so uh, we actually, you know, had to take classes on, like, how to stretch. Uh, classes on how to roll, um, stuff like that. That way, you're just more in tune and educated. Like, hey, this is what I should do, you know, before I go on a hike, after I go on a hike, and then, like, the next following days, you know, afterwards. Um, and that's definitely a big thing. That's also part of the preparation. Um, but it, it, like, my feet are good. Um, I just have to, like, for me personally, um, just make sure that my ankles are strong. Because when we're walking, you know, up the hill, or you know down the hill or crossroads routes you know uh, or stuff like that you know like all that stuff's uneven and you got weight on your back you know like any little twist of your feet or whatever it can it can it can take you out of the game um, yeah. and so um, it definitely sucks so you know it is what it is but so far I've been good on it uh, my biggest thing here at TDS at the basic school has been the quizzes you know taking the quizzes uh, just because it's the same. Things, just what you were saying, like taking tests, like I just suck at taking tests, you know. And then, you know, it's it, like you got, you get a very, very small amount of time to to answer the questions. And I'm like, uh, 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 uh and, okay. I'm like, okay, all right, I got it. And then, like, they're like, nope, it's in, <laughs> it's done. And so, you know, like, I can, I can, you know, like recall the information, but it takes. I, I feel like my oolalu is a lot slower in like recalling the information um and so i just got to make sure that what i'm doing or saying is correct and so like that's probably been like my biggest hiccup is like the the academic part part of like being here but physically so far you know knock on wood um i've been been good but i've also uh stayed prepared as far as like keeping my body healthy and uh, making sure that like i i stretch and you know all that stuff so
1: I got. I got another question, man. How how do you convey the kind of reality of combat to kind of the uninitiated, inexperienced individuals? Because that's got to be a, um, you know, a mind like be a trip, man, to try to explain. Have, have you
3: yeah? Have you gotten into that with with anyone like any any guys that were pretty green? As far as what you've experienced? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, and this comes from, like, all levels. Like, it comes from my peers uh, almost on a daily basis. Uh, when it, Like, like I, I am the type of person being here, like, I'm an open book uh, because I want to be as informative as, as possible and help people in any way that I can. Like, just kind of give people a heads up. Um and so like when they ask me a question like, hey, is this kind of similar to combat? I'm like, nah, this is nothing like combat. Or like when we do our, our movements like with our day pack and our flaking and bar and our our weapon, um and we do movements, you know, five miles, six miles, I'm like, Okay, yeah, this might be something similar to like uh ordinary patrol that we would do on a daily basis, uh except it's not hundred and thirty degrees outside, <laughs> you know. Um you know, not walking through like a cornfield or whatever but uh, i get that question a lot and um i just be straight up you know i'm just straight up with them um whenever it comes to like um uh, any questions or like you know any of my answers that i give them because uh, they always ask me hey like how does this compare to combat um or how is this i guess compared to like the real marine corps like do people really do this in the marine corps is it's just like a schooling type of thing um so i just give my, my honest opinion and let them know like yeah this is like combat or no this is nothing like combat or like you know um, another thing that they always ask me like hey tell me a story <laughs> you know and uh, you know so like you know they're asking something and like i'll like have to tell the entire like squad my entire squad or like whoever's listening in the team like a story and we're out in the field or something um about you know one day or something like that but like
3: Dude, what happened? You know. to you, have you ever told the story? I was thinking about this the other day. Even before Herrera said you hit him up, uh, didn't you get stuck when you were at um? Damn, what the hell was the name of that PB you guys were at in 09 Jugram. Y'all had like a swimming yeah. hole inside there. Didn't you get stuck with a needle or something? That and you had to get sent back to yeah. What happened with that? Did you? What did they do to you after they sent? Yes. So tell the whole story. So tell the whole story. Tell
0: the whole story real quick. Okay. Okay. So we were uh, police calling the um, the fob right, Uh, and so like this is this didn't happen in the swimming hall, but it happened on like the other side. So like in fob juggerum, you know, we have like uh, it was a small you know uh, fob, and we had like our side. We had a little swimming hole and then on the other side we had like where the ana stayed at. And so, as, as you guys know, like, the ANA, they just, during that time, like, they were always, like, out of this world. Like, they were always, like, smoking something or doing something or whatever, whatever. So, like, they had needles and stuff all over the place. And so, like, one day we were police calling. Like, we had police called our side. And we were police calling the other side of the fob. And uh, I went to go pick up a, a, a needle. And I saw that it was a needle. Uh, but I didn't see anything on the tip of it. And So I went to go and pick up the needle, and long and behold, like this needle stuck like all the way in my finger, and I was wow. like, "Oh, oh crap!" Like I just got stuck with a dirty needle, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I forgot—I think it was—it was, it was uh, I think it was Corporal Clark that was with me, and he was like, "Dude, did you just get stuck by that needle?" Because like as soon as it happened and it went in, like I thought maybe it was just a thorn. And then I pulled it up, and his needles were sticking out of my, my finger. I'm like, oh, crap. And he's yeah. like, dude, you just got stuck by a needle. I'm like, I pull it out really quick, and he's like, dude, like, you could get AIDS or something like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Then, like, I'm like, all types of stuff <laughs> are going through my head. And, and especially during that time, you know, like, we're in the thick of it, you know. And I'm like, I don't want to be the, the person that, like, deploys comes to Afghanistan and then catches age or HIV or something like that. Right, or like, right. I get like, you know, like opium poisoning or something like that in my body. And so uh, I went and told my sergeant, or you know, my, my squad leader Sergeant Pratt at the time, you know, I rested the dead, you know, uh, went and told him, and he's like, you gotta be I hear this. And he's like, all oh, crap. And so we went and talked to uh, the, the platoon sergeant, uh, Staff Sergeant Garrett, Lieutenant Oliver, and like, dude, you're gonna have to go to uh, uh, back to uh, to, to, uh, um, to the main
3: thing,
0: yeah. yeah, and like get get medevac. And I'm like, oh, oh man, oh, like, this is like quick, you know, I had to leave, and I was a saw gunner, you know. They called up the nine line the and driven dri- dri- back, yeah, and uh, you know, it ended up being like an okay time because, like, when I went back, I just went and stayed in uh, the, the medical wing or whatever, and um, they took my blood, uh, they took like I don't know, six or seven vials of blood from me. Uh, and tested for all types of stuff, and uh they're like, Hey, if you hear something back then then that means that uh that that something's wrong, and so <laughs> the nurses were like, you know, hopefully you don't hear anything else from us, but, um yeah, I stayed there I think for like two or three days, and then uh was able to come back and yeah that that was about it, but it was, it was definitely like a nervous like four or five days overall of of like, oh man, like I could be screwed up." Yeah.
3: I remember hearing about that when we were over there and I cuz I you know wasn't with you guys obviously but and I was just like, "What? Like what happened to?" Him? <laughs> I never I never heard anything that that happened after that, so I figured you were all right, all right from it, but yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. Hey, but yeah, you guys yeah, were uh, on the You guys were on the western side, right? Like of uh, of the the canal little jugum, right?
3: Yeah, they were like to the um, they were yeah. to the northwest, I believe. They were like northwest of where Hassanabad was, I believe.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And like so, like the the, the escalated exponentially, and uh, they're like, "Hey, you might get a purple." <laughs> you might get a purple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they were just like screwing me because like and the other side of that was that like I didn't want to leave my guy there together he' taking can thin. like I didn't want to be you know the one person. I I'm like, yeah, start little, you know, right to it. So as soon as we would get back from a patrol or something, uh, you like cool off inside the little waterhole, you know. So that that part was cool.
1: Bro, do you remember were you there whenever we took bridge one, the at the petrol station? And we got in that tick. Uh and they called in that gun run.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, yeah, wh- so I definitely.
1: So I remember, bro. I was I was on I was with uh, first platoon, and we were chilling, man. And uh, dude, next thing you know, we have rounds, freaking popping the mud head over. And we didn't know that y'all were like. We knew that something you know was going down, but we didn't know that like, we couldn't shoot back because of, of you know friendlies were or adjacent to us. And so we were like stuck in the middle, receiving rounds from yours gunfight. <laughs> what happened, man?
0: I've always wanted to know what happened. Uh, so, so I was to the I guess right hand side of and that kind of initiated like that little uh, that firefight. And so like we were like going back and forth. And I don't think at the time like anybody even knew that you guys were where you guys were at uh, because like <laughs> it was just like we like we could physically see like oh somebody's you know there. And then like they started shooting at us and we just started returning fire. And so um, I just remember like like laying down hate and discontent before uh, that time, but you know, even then you're just like shooting at muzzle flashes or like shooting at, you know, that general, you know, vicinity. Um, yeah, that that, that was a, a crazy time. Well, I think the whole time there was a crazy time. But yeah, that, so what do you is,
3: are you in a barracks right now?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in a, a barracks right now. Um, yeah, so I decided to leave the family, the wife and kids um, in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. that, that's where my wife is from. Um, right. Because like this, you know, TBS, uh, normally TBS is uh, six months long, but because of the whole COVID thing, it's like seven months long now because we have like two periods of time where we have to do a restriction of movement, which is basically you are quarantined to your room. So like when wow. we first got here, We have to do two weeks 14 days where you stay in your room for 14 days and like the only time like we get one hour out in the yard or one hour to go like pt and um it's like as a platoon you go pt for one hour and then you come back and then you stay in your room for the rest of the 23 hours yeah so we have to do that in the beginning and then also we'll have to do it when we come back from christmas we'll have to do it uh so yeah. So, but yeah, now, like, I'm here in my barracks room. Um, Grant, the, the officer barracks rooms are a lot nicer than like, <laughs> our barracks rooms. You know, at the barracks, like, got nice showers, like, our own sinks and beds and stuff. Like, it's really nice. It's, it's not too bad. So, like, a lot of people are like, oh, man, this is kind of crap. And I'm like, eh, I'm not, not really. Like you know? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's really not that bad. Um, uh, but yeah, that's uh yeah, this is like my barracks, my barracks room, uh located in Graves Hall, uh here in Campbell. So
3: So what do you what do you hope to do, you know, when you when you finish? What do you, what kind of a un can do you get to request what kind of unit you want to go to or
0: Yeah, so like uh like you get like um uh throughout the entire time here, you get to say, Hey, like I would like to uh be an amateur officer or is the officer or intel officer, uh, depending on, like, what intel it is. Um, and so, like, the the, the overall, like, uh, the overarching, I guess, consensus is that you, you have to list all, I think, 22 MLSs, um, in order of, like, hey, this is what I would like to do versus, like, this is what I absolutely do not want to do. Um, but they said that, I think, it's, like, 88% of the people here that put... Um, like they get one of their top five choices, and so you know, for me, like my top five choices are AAV officer, um, uh, combat engineer officer, um, air intel, logistics, and um, maybe low air altitude defense uh, officer or something like that. So yeah, but um, I'm really hoping like either AAV or um, combat engineer um, officer for like what I would like to do. Like that's what I could request to you, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like greater needs, like what the Marine Corps needs. So,
3: yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I don't want to go back to infantry. Not, <laughs> not now.
0: <laughs>
3: I don't blame you, even though they would probably love to have you there. But
0: yeah, I, I get. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. They uh, they 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 go through and they're like, hey, uh. Let's get some of your infantry knowledge on how you think we should conduct this attack. And I'm like, oh, let's just go and destroy them. <laughs> They're like, hey, you need to write an order. And I'm like, write an order. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> let's just go. Go forth and conquer. Close with and destroy the enemy. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping to like like I want to do something to where like I'm going to be working like with Marines and I want to be out in the field doing stuff. But uh, like just getting old, man. I don't want to be humping around 100 pounds, or 130 pounds on my back, you know, I don't want to be walking everywhere, so, um, you know, that's why, like, my top two is, like, A, B and combat engineer, so hopefully I can get something that I would like. Yeah, that's cool.
3: You yeah. said you plan to stay another six years or so, you think? You're hoping, or? Yeah, yeah, so, like,
0: my, my contract initially is, uh, for six years, um, and then that'll put me that's 20, um, and then, um, if I want to retire as an officer, um, I have to stay in like the the entire term is so you have to. If you want to retire as an officer, you have to be in for at least you have to be an officer for at least ten years. Um, so it'll either be like at twenty years, so at six more years. Um, if I did re- retire, then it'll be at my gunnery sergeant um, rank, and it would time of service um, at twenty years. Uh, versus if I stay in for an additional. Four years and made it.
3: barracks Wi Fi, dog.
0: Yeah, I know. Like, Do
1: <laughs> you remember that, like barracks Wi Fi? We had to pay like $20 for the It
0: like, was two terrible.
3: <laughs> it, and it was terrible.
0: Yeah, hey, so they got the same thing here. It's just a new thing. They call it. Um, I got a, a
2: screenshot.
0: You know, I mean, like, <laughs>
3: crappy yeah. Yeah, they yeah. don't want you letting all the secrets out, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably listening right now like okay, he's getting a little bit too thick. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. That's insane. So let me what's so what was the hardest uh part about going through OCS?
0: Um going through OCS. The hardest part was just staying humble. Oh, Uh, because you know, like then I was a staff sergeant at the time, and uh, so like my sergeant instructors were staff sergeants and gunnies, and so like them like knowing that I was a prior, um, they they kind of knew, and so like they didn't like really try to like crap on me too much, or you know, make my life like too crazy, but they would like kind of test me every once in a while.
1: Oh, it's just like a deployment bro, with comms.
3: Yeah, no kidding,
1: <laughs> bro. Every time we would get iCom chatters, dude, immediately our comms would start breaking up. I'm like, yeah. oh god. But we had some dumb iComs, like um, the 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 ice cream party is about to start. Oh
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you? Hey, they're bring they're bringing the watermelons or whatever. I forget. They had all kind of crazy. Terms for the shit. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. no it's all good, man. It's it all ain't good. your. It ain't your fault, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. We'll put straight out of the barracks, dude. When we post
0: this up.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Coming from Graves Hall, room one hundred and five. <laughs> straight out of the brakes. Yeah. So you were saying
1: you had to stay humble whenever these guys yeah. were
0: like on you. Yeah, yeah, just had to stay humble, and they're like scream louder, like you know, oh. it was like like that, and and like the the inner feeling of being like wanting to turn around and like say something, like it it was yeah. it was hard, it was really really hard, uh, and then you know, yeah, it was just hard, I and mean, then a lot of them actually none of my uh sergeant instructors were like infantry or anything like that they were all like admin or logistics or something like that you know um and so yeah that was probably not probably that was the hardest part of, of going to ocs like the physical aspect i felt like it was good like i was good because i came from miami you know out there would, you know run um four miles a day like run two miles to the police station swim eight laps and then run two miles back boots um uh, boots and like uh like you know workout clothing um and so like i was like in pretty good shape and so like that wasn't too hard of a thing like that um staying humble and then like the weather change was probably like a a big thing because like i came from 70 degree weather to like 30 degrees and snowing you know here in chronicle virginia (laughs) uh and like that part sucked a lot but like i was in pretty good shape and so it wasn't that part wasn't too hard so yeah.
1: Did you have to deal with a lot of ego?
0: Yes, 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 um, and that also went into like the being humble aspect because uh, a lot of a lot of them, would, you know, were like, "You don't know what it's like in the Marine Corps. Like, you don't know what it's like to do this or do that." Blah blah. blah. And I'm thinking to myself like, "But do I? Like, I think I do." <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you don't know what it's like like actually feel the suck you know yeah. uh but like you know i i've never been a person to kind of like boast um too much of or be like i'm better than you or like anything like that um i just i just try to stay humble like anyways um but yeah that's that's just some people like that that's just their personality yeah
1: yeah that's that's gnarly man i had to i went through uh whips which is like world protective services when i was contracting and so mm-hmm. it's like a two and a half month process. And and dude, you if you muzzle flash somebody, dude, you're kicked out. Like the rules are hardcore. And uh wow. dude dealing with dudes from all sorts of backgrounds, man, that was a trip. Uh I was so thankful that I had like all the, you know, three tours under my belt and then I had the college experience so that my analytical thinking was on point. And yeah, it gave me a competitive edge, dude. Against you know uh, all the other candidates, but dude, that was a trip too, man. Just a bunch of enlisted dudes with a bunch of war stories, <laughs> thinking <laughs> they're going to be Jason Bourne out there, bro. That was a trip. Man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that so like being here, um, like I said, like I've, I only have like I think three three other priors in in my uh, platoon. Um, like they're all pretty good. Like none of them are infantry. Um, I do know one other infantry guy that I went to, uh, OCS with, um, he was infantry before he went on one, uh, one pump to Afghanistan before also. Um, and he's also here with me now, uh, uh, second Lieutenant Clark. Um, and so, uh, but as far as like egos, like our egos are pretty, like pretty chill. Um, but like when you get with other people that are just like gung-ho all the time and are like, you know, I, you know, I, I want to be the alpha then like, sometimes you just got to regulate and be like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> like chill out a little bit before, you know, things escalate. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, that's, you know, it's just a thing. Like I, I, I don't turn it on unless it has to be turned on, uh, just cause I'm not just naturally like that all the time, but if, if it needs to be, then yeah, it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: So yeah, well, it's not too. Uh, I'm just down here in in just north of Charlotte, North Carolina. So maybe about, okay. maybe about, maybe about four hours. It was pretty nice out today. You got some decent weather. I, I like. know, I
0: know. I I wish we would have been in the field now because like we yeah. were in the field a, a few days ago. It, it was, was
3: like, cold last week. Yeah, it, it got yeah, cold. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, Waking up in the so sleeping what, how bag. You,
3: how long were you guys out for? Uh,
0: it was three days, three days. And so, uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, but it was just long and monotonous and like you're in the daytime, you're moving around. And so like, um, I, I think it's just like the big weather thing. Cause like, you're moving around and you're like running and like doing up and down movements and patrolling or doing like, you know, like lanes or whatever. And like, you're sweating and then like, you'll stop and be stopped for like 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And then you're like, like shivering because you're cold because you're just yeah. sweating you right. know and then you like take off warmer layers put on warmer layers take off warmer layers put on warmer layers and like you don't want your warmer layers to get wet because they just stay wet you know and so it kind of it kind of sucks
3: probably uh, bring it probably it, bring it back a bunch of bunch of old memories huh? It, hey it
0: de- I, I posted something on my snapchat and i was like this reminds me of the good old days yeah. uh <laughs> out you know out you know doing patrols and stuff like that but um yeah, it definitely sucked, but like we go to the field um tomorrow and we're going to be getting out there uh for a, the, a, another few days doing some call for fire stuff. So, that'll be fun. Um it won't be as physically demanding as like the last as like last week, but um it'll be good to just get out there. Um it says it's supposed to rain. I hope it doesn't. Uh but we'll see.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. But you know the Marine Corps model, like you ain't training if it ain't raining. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. when it's, it's cold a, outside, it's a, it's a different. Yeah, the, yeah. the a
3: rain cloud. I mean, yeah, you out, yeah, I think yeah. every unit probably. I feel like every infantry unit had a had a rain cloud. They'd say that was their rain cloud. But yeah, I, it, I think just
0: Camp Lejeune itself was like I don't know, situated on like I don't know a swamp or something where they were yeah. like, it's just gonna rain all the time.
3: It did. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's insane, man. I got yeah. so. What do you tell? You know, what would you say to, you know, young men and women out there right now wanting to join the Marine Corps? Like, what would you be like? What would be the advice?
0: Um, my advice would be uh, um, uh, stay motivated. Um, know that you are coming. In, uh, or like, know that like the Marine Corps is like an organization of professionals Uh, know that it's not it's not going to be like you're just going to go and have fun all the time because like a lot of times it's going to suck uh but for the most part like you're not doing it for for yourself you know you're doing it for for your marines um if you're an officer you're doing it for, for all of your marines you know if you're enlisted you know you're doing it for the marines to the left and to the right of you um you know never never in front never behind but you know you're always next to each other um so know that it's like, it's a team effort, no matter what, like teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, if you're in charge of the team, you're still a team member, you know, um, and you know, if you're on a team, then, you know, know that no, know, know that no matter what it is, um, it's not always going to be about you and that um, it's not always going to be fun, but it's definitely re- rewarding uh, working with other people that are like-minded and want to get out there and get after it and be like motivated. Um and that's probably like the one thing that I would be able to say that's like you know, kept me in the Marine Corps. Like being around other people that are like motivated to to, to like do their everyday job, you know, no matter if it's like logistics or Intel or infantry or like, you know, being a doc, like, you know, just being motivated and positive is like take things a lot a, a long way.
1: Absolutely absolutely so i think you're in an extraordinary position man so how do you and some of the other marines view the united states in its current state right now and you know you don't Um, have to answer that i know that's kind of like yeah
0: yeah um i would say a a a easy way to to say it um politically I guess correct way would be to say that like I think that out of my short 34 years of being on earth here in the Marine Corps or in the United States um, and being in the Marine Corps for the last 14 years I definitely feel that like our country is the most divided that it's ever been Um, as long as I've been conscious about division amongst people um, and I feel like it has to be it has to be something that's handled from the top down um, because people are naturally, um, obviously, like, people are naturally, like, selfish or cautious um, of other people. And if if a leader is not openly being, um, I guess, um, if, if you're a leader, if a person that's in charge of you is, is not telling you, hey, we need to constantly you know, stay united, we need to constantly be aware of of other people, we need to constantly uh, be open-minded, you know, especially being America, like, we are all mixed of something, like, we're not just all one, you know, one race, like, we are all Americans, we are all come from different heritages and backgrounds, Um, and so, like, that's one of the awesome things, great things about being an American is that, like, you know, we're all different, Um, but I would say definitely now it's, like, The most divided that i've ever known it to be as far as like being an adult and being conscious of like the greater the greater world or the greater country like the greater outlook on like what is america and like how do people in new york feel versus people in florida versus people in new mexico versus people in washington um you know so that's just my personal i guess political answer do
3: you feel, do, does any of that resonate? Um, do you feel like it, you know, do you feel that amongst the, the people you're around? Do they, you know, because I remember when, you know, when when we were in, obviously there was a, there was a big election during that time. I think right before Afghanistan it was, um, right? Yep, the only yep. election. And I, I don't remember, I know that was a big deal in time for our country at, at that time. And I don't, maybe it was just because of the mission we, you know, had in front of us. I don't remember mm-hmm. that really really resonating through any of the guys that were around me. You know, no, no. one talked about anything. Nobody really no. had had opinions on anything. They just knew what they were there for and um I kind of just I wonder is it still similar to that, you know, with the guys you're in and around or, or are they more opinionated about things?
0: Uh definitely more opinionated <clears throat> about everything. Um yeah. everybody has an opinion about how they feel things are going or have went or or how they feel like it should look like. Um, And so it's one of those, those fine lines that you kind of have to tread uh, as being like one, like uh, a person that's been like in the military, um, a person that's like seen a lot of different things and done a lot of different things. Um, And also it's, it's, it's a lot different because a lot of those people that I would say, like, are my peers now? Like, they, they this is their first taste of the military. You know, they haven't been in the military for a long time, so they're coming straight out of like this, um, like this this world of like, hey, like my opinion is blah blah blah, and this is why you know, like, I feel like you should listen to me or something like that. Which you know, in some some ways, it's good to to be able to voice your opinion um, and like let other people know how you feel, um, and so. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's a, a thing nowadays, um, sure. but yeah.
3: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know when I was operating
1: out there in Kabul, man, a lot of those uh, uh, diplomats would, you know, the the liberal or the neoliberal narrative, you know, this dislike for the commander-in-chief, and we weren't in no position to, to really you know, entangle our opinions or our beliefs or our current systems into that kind of a framework just because we were professionals and and when you're getting paid, so it doesn't really matter what they have to think you're there to protect. So yeah that, that's gotta be a trip, man. Um yeah. I, I know too and I keep sharing with a lot of the folks, I don't know, like not that my my opinions matter or not that my perspective matters, but I do try to be as objective as I possibly can. Um, but core superpowers have done a lot of damage to our information ecosystem. They literally yeah. saw division. <clears throat> so the perspective of a lot of Americans, and you know, in between, you know, the use of psychographics, the use of uh, acquiring data point sets to understand what people are thinking, and then the exploitation of AI machine learning by developing the human assets and by creating the social groups and actually providing you know the memes and the narratives to say hey look this particular group is better than this particular group or just twisting everyone's words you know that encompasses like around 247 million Americans who are on some form of social media so the chances yeah, yeah. of you you know developing some kind of an emotional response to a piece of information is probably caused by second third order effects from the Russians, from the Chinese, from people who have been manipulated or subverted to think that kind of way. And Yeah, yeah.
0: I I yeah, really yeah, most,
1: y'all go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I was gonna say, like uh I would really I like I definitely agree with that. Um a lot of stuff that, that people are um I guess um uh, the the way a lot of people feel, or a lot of we, uh, the way a lot of people voice their opinion, is it's always because of something that they heard um, from like the internet, or from the radio, or something like that, or from what they saw. And so I feel like we are at on our end, it's a bad end. We're at the perfect, um, we're in the perfect environment for somebody to be able, like anybody, uh, you know, say from a different country to say hey this this is this and blah 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 and this is that and blah 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 and then us receiving it and being like oh like oh yeah i can kind of see that and like oh yeah this kind of sucks and blah blah blah, and then like it it make us you know have that emotional response um and so that's why i feel that no matter i guess whatever no matter what the, the issue is like we have to we have to look out for each other we have to be like we have to know that everybody's different and that everybody has a different background. And I feel that like, it might be a thing now, but I feel like it might definitely be a thing later because, you know, the new generation, like the new, new generation, like people that are like 10, 12, 15 years old that are growing up and they grew up in like this information age, they've been flooded with all this, this stuff and like, they don't even know what to really think about as far as like, what is true, what isn't true. Like, I've heard all this stuff and like, it can all be true or like, you know, I don't believe this stuff, you know, or I have an opinion about this. And so I feel like it can really cause, um, um, in like, like interconflict um, between, between people that, you know, we shouldn't, shouldn't even be dealing with stuff like this, but it is what it is. And so you just got to stay united no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, for sure
1: so let me ask you another question and this might be kind of like out of bounds but how does the marine corps respond to so there's kind of like there's been this i call it uh you know i was really introduced to this concept but they call it alternative reality games and really mm-hmm. since what like twenty twenty seventeen twenty eighteen 2017 2018 maybe earlier than that like q on the conspiracy theory that really just kind of envelops all the conspiracy theories how does the marine corps fight back against those kinds of narratives pervading military service.
0: Um I I would I, I'm not exactly sure, but just from my personal experience like a lot of things nowadays have been like referred to doctrine, like referred to the pub, uh like hey, you know, um somebody has like hey, why are we doing this? But we're doing it because you know this is what it says that we should be doing in the pub and then like overarching, uh this is this is what makes sense uh and so like the information age is a big thing now in the marine corps or i guess in the military in general but especially in the marine corps you know having people post pictures and videos about stuff um or respond to different things and you know every every once in a while you hear like oh like you know uh <clears throat> Marine Reservists, you know, gets in trouble for doing something or, you know, prior Marine or, you know, Marine, you know, does this or is a part of of uh, a specific, uh, like specific group or is, you know, doing something with weapons and, you know, doing, you know, uh, you know, something negative. Um, it's definitely been a black eye on the Marine Corps as a whole. Um, and we, we we even have like our own, like, you know, public affairs, like the PAO, like, like PO. Um, they have people that work with Facebook and you know, and have an Instagram page and stuff like that to keep everyone more aware. So like you, you know, um part of our annual training that we have to do every year. Like um we have something part of our annual training nowadays is um being like understanding uh, I forgot like the actual name for it, but it's uh um it's like uh being aware of of um the word it's like the oh social media social media awareness is, is the name and so like they go into a whole thing about hey this is what you should say what you shouldn't say like things that you should trust or shouldn't trust or sources that you you know should you know could be aware of or so, uh, sources that you should uh you know think twice about or something like that so the social yeah. media awareness is a big thing
3: that's crazy. I'm sure, probably, you know, on your LIBO briefs and stuff like that, or, you know, that's a, probably a big part of it now when people are oh, going yeah. home for 96s or like, don't be posting stupid shit on, you know, Facebook and Instagram. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah.
0: Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. How, how do you, do yeah, you I'm going to have to, uh, uh, I'm going to huh? have to go here in a little bit. I'm holding a, a squad leader billet uh, for the next two weeks. And so I got, some stuff that I have to work with my squad with, but um, I got. Yeah, you gotta be up two
3: at two in the morning. What you gonna be up at two in the morning, boy?
0: Yeah, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah. I gotta go through and I gotta check or, or have my team check out, like make sure everybody's gear is all good. Um, all of I just finished all of my gear, um, and so I should be good. But I gotta have my team ensure that everybody has their gear, make sure everybody's back, make sure nobody's gotten in trouble over the weekend. Um yeah yeah
1: Well, we appreciate your time man
0: yeah yeah uh, no. hey I'm, I'm definitely down to uh continue the conversation um some other time most definitely
3: absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, yeah for sure appreciate yeah. you coming on here and sharing a little bit with us that was uh,
0: yeah
3: that was fun man
0: yeah definitely definitely um yeah it feels good to like i said in the very beginning it's good just to talk talk about things um especially with you know uh, you know my peers you know from way way back in the day uh, people that you know you know we've we we we've been through the same thing and so you know we have a different I guess outlook or perspective on life uh, as a whole and so sure. um, uh, how we view things is, is a lot different than how things are I guess viewed from individuals nowadays so Absolutely. it feels good to like be able to break bread with you guys and see you guys in person and hang out and talk and stuff for sure
3: Hell yeah, Yeah, man. Well, take care, brother. Be safe out there in the field doing everything. And, uh,
0: will do. do. I guess
3: I owe you one of those, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.